0: The Death of Charles Dickens by Anonymous. From the New York Times, June eleventh, eighteen seventy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The eminent Englishman of letters whose fame has been acquired, as it were, under our own eyes and whose works are more or less associated with the events of our lives are one by one passing away new authors are constantly appearing in the field but the few great figures which have been before us almost daily for years past cannot be withdrawn without occasioning regrets like those which we experience when old friends are taken from our side the death of a man like charles dickens seems to create a blank in our own existence it comes upon us with the surprise which death in the household occasions when the one inevitable incident in our uncertain lot seems ever new, unnatural, and startling. People of middle age cannot but feel that they have grown up, as it were, with Charles Dickens. The appearance of each successive story from his pen is linked with a thousand domestic recollections, for he was eminently the novelist of the household. The very manner of his death deepens the sense of personal loss. Sudden death seems, indeed, the doom of the literary craft." It is but a few years ago that Macaulay was found dead in his room. To Thackeray, also, the last messenger came without warning. Charles Dickens has been summoned in a moment, while still in the full exercise of his genius, and while the early numbers of his last work are engaging the attention of the world. The genius of Dickens was an endowment which sometimes seemed to surprise himself. He was like a man who finds himself in possession of an unexpected treasure— when still very young he went through much drudgery in a newspaper office without suspecting that he was destined to achieve for himself a distinct place in english literature and produce a series of books which would win for him an illustrious and an unfading name it is the accidents of life which decide the fate of men he wrote some sketches of life in london which were certainly not better than many similar sketches published since the sketches by Boz are not so good in any respect as Mr. George A. Sala's twice round the clock, but Dickens' first attempts brought him to the notice of publishers, and he was asked to write up a set of drawings made by poor Seymour, the artist. It may have proved a hard task, but the death of Seymour changed the conditions of the work. The author, and not the artist, suggested the story, and ever since then the same relationship has continued." the fresh flow of spirits, the love of fun the fertility of invention the richness of imagination displayed in the pickwick papers were never excelled by mr dickens though he has accomplished great things in other directions it was the originality of his work which charmed the world here was a writer who had a totally new set of people to describe and who had a way of describing them such as no other man ever possessed if his ladies and gentlemen were rather dull and unnatural his sketches among the poor were evidently from the life. It was clear, too, that he had an amazing faculty for describing types of men. How many people we have all known exactly like the people who live and move in Dickens' novels. We are almost convinced that it is our very acquaintance whom the novelist must have had before his eye. Micawber, Pecksniff, and the rest of the portraits in that marvelous gallery, Shakespeare himself did not draw truer types of character the fidelity of the model in each case is attested by the fact that it is found in all countries and among all people and that there are hundreds of men whom we cannot better describe than by nicknaming them after one of the lay figures in mr dickens works one secret of his success in this respect was the laborious manner in which he made his studies at a certain period of his life there was no man in london better known to the police than mr dickens he explored the foulest holes of the huge city and knew every dram-shop or thieves den in which characters fit for his purposes were likely to be found putting on an old pea-jacket and a wide-awake he would spend night after night in going the dismal rounds of st giles wapping shadwell or the new cut places compared with which the five points would have seemed a fashionable quarter these habits enabled mr dickens to become the analyst of the poor in a degree entirely unknown before in literature He was never tired of making the more fortunate classes acquainted with the misfortunes, the disappointments, and the sorrows of those who were alone and friendless in the world. For society he had little taste, and society retaliated by never courting him. Mr. Dickens was never a frequenter of gilded saloons. In depicting the lives, thoughts, and habits of the upper classes, Thackeray carried away the palm, but Thackeray could never compare for one moment in popularity with his great fellow worker. Rivals they never were. Except Sir Walter Scott, no writer of fiction has ever done so much to while away the weary hours of young and old as Charles Dickens. In lonely places of the earth his books have been an unfailing solace to many an exile, and they have shed hope and light in many a sick room and comforted many an afflicted heart. Over the whole range of the domestic instincts, Mr. Dickens possessed a thorough mastery. There, indeed, was his stronghold. His pictures of interiors will be famous while the world lasts. When he described a room, the mere mention of any character who had been introduced to us in it would afterwards suffice to recall before us the whole picture, even though years might have passed since we read the novel. Who cannot remember his sketches of the cosy parlours and country inns? he could tell us about a poor man's dinner in a way which was capable of imparting fresh zest to the most jaded appetite when he touched the deep emotions of our nature his power drew tears from the least susceptible of mankind what mother will ever be able while the world lasts to read the story of little nell or paul dombey with dry eyes who that has lost a child can even hear those names unmoved let us say what we will the world is not quite the same after a man is taken from it who is gifted with a genius capable of setting before us almost all phases of human nature there is a gap which time will cause us to forget but if the loss to mankind does not create an abiding impression it is only because we know that we ourselves are not abiding that let the pictures be what they may and let he who discloses them to us be ever so gifted the show is one which must come to an end But were this sense more deeply seated even than it is, we could not but realize how much the world loses by the death of a man who possessed the power of laying bare so many secrets of the human heart, who could read every aspect of our nature, at once the most simple and the most complex of problems, and who, after amusing us for thirty years, died in the prime of life. For at fifty-eight a man in England, living in the midst of the country, and with no unusual cares pressing upon him, cannot be called old. Lord Palmerston, at eighty, was active as a lad. Lord Brougham lived to the age of ninety. Lord Russell, at seventy-eight, is still quite capable of taking a part in active life. Mr. Disraeli is sixty-five and Mr. Gladstone sixty-one, and we all know what they are capable of doing. But authors have not discovered the secret of longevity." yet Mr. Dickens cannot fairly be said to have been overworked for many years past. His closing years were spent in that beautiful part of his native land where many of the scenes of his novels are laid, and where it was his wish, when his time came, to die. In his youth he had chosen a home for his mature age, and determined to win it. He succeeded, but the days which are swifter than a weaver's shuttle left him little time to enjoy the fruits of his labors. He had known many sorrows, or how could he have written much that stands recorded in his name? as for his faults who are we that we should reckon them now he is gone and we all feel that one of the greatest of our number has passed from time with its defective judgments to eternity with its serene and unerring wisdom although charles dickens is henceforth but a name in the world's history it is a name lit with imperishable renown and it will be spoken with gratitude and affection as long as our language endures end of the death of charles dickens by Anonymous. Read by Colleen McMahon.